Let's pray together. Our Father, the implications of the lyrics of that song, the truth of that song are far-reaching in our life. Having Christ, the Lord of glory, personally to live in Him makes all the difference in the world. And our Father, we, we come before you this morning, we assemble this morning with a, a sense of concern that we are not benefiting, that we are not embracing, that we are not taking advantage in our lives of what that really means to be in Christ. To have Jesus and to sing, He is all I need. But then to live with the cares and the worries and the anxieties of this world is to betray the truth that is our life. So our Father, I pray this morning as we dig into your word and you unfold for us once again your precious promises, I pray, O oh God, that they will not fall in deaf ears but will be fully embraced as for, for what they are, a promise from Almighty God to us to live by. So, Lord, may we live by your promises. May we leave today differently than we came because of Christ who makes a difference in our lives. For Jesus' sake, I pray. Amen. Do you realize that you were made to live in a different world than the one we are currently living in? I think we all know that. We long to be clothed. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 5. We long to be clothed in our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. God has made us to be swamped by life. We live in these mortal bodies that, that will die, but we were not made for that. We're made to be swamped by life. Amen. So we, we look forward to that. And, and when we come to the communion table on a day like today, uh, per, perhaps one of the biggest benefits that most of us settle on is Jesus died on the cross of Calvary to save us so that we could live in heaven with him forever. But there's way more to it than that. We're not people just sitting in uh, chairs, I'm going to say pews, we're not people just sitting in chairs uh, contemplating our future when we die. We are to be people who are living a full life right now because of what Christ has done for us. When we sing these songs about Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, it makes a difference. We were saved to live a different life than most of us are living. Not just to live in a different world than most of us are, not just to live in a different world um, than the one we're currently living in, but to live a very different life than the one that most of us are currently living. When Jesus uh, was teaching, of course, 
In John 10.10, he said, I have come. The reason Jesus came is to give us life and finish it. Come on, you all know. More abundantly. You don't want to say it because you're not living it. To live life to the full. That word, perisos, is, um, is a word that's, that, that describes over the top, exceedingly abundantly. We're to live over the top life. Jesus, said, Jesus made it very plain. I have come so that you might have an over the top life right now. Now, how many of us are living an over-the-top life? Be honest. Are we really living? I hope we are, because that's the promise that God has given to us. He has made us for this. Jesus came for this. Would we describe our experience of being in Christ as full, abundant, over-the-top? Well, you say, well, sometimes, when we're on holidays, but not at work. Most of us are trying to add Christ to, the mostly, to our mostly same life that everybody else is living, people who don't even know Jesus. Same distresses, same anxieties, same unhealthy thinking, same unhealthy emotions, same discontent, same frustrations by unmet needs. That is not what Jesus meant in John 10.10. 10. That is not what he, had, he came to give us. He's come to give us promises. What if your joy could not be affected by circumstances or situation or environment or people? What if? Wouldn't that be fantastic? Well, that's to be the normal Christian life. Do you realize that? We're to be able to be content joyful. We, we've, uh, Pastor Kelvin, Pastor Nick have been teaching the last couple of weeks and they've been talking about rejoicing, about thinking correctly, about what that does in our lives. We are commanded, do you realize, to rejoice in the Lord always. That's a command. That means no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what people have popped into our life, no matter what environment we're in, we're called upon, we're commanded to rejoice in the Lord always. But he never calls us to do something that he's not going to empower us to do. Jesus never does that. So would you open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4 as we, can, as we finish out this section that, I'm, uh, that Pastor Kelvin began, Pastor Nick uh, followed up with so well last week, and then uh, today there's this package deal of emotional wholeness. But emotional wholeness comes through spiritual fullness because of Christ-centeredness. This is the promise that we have as followers of Jesus. We have been promised emotional wholeness. But through spiritual fullness that comes because we are Christ-centered people. When uh, Lynn and I were first, well, when we were engaged, uh, she was from a, another Baptist church in the city. And so we used to trade back and forth. I'd go to her church on the morning and she'd come to my church at night and we'd switch that up because she wasn't willing to give up her church. But eventually I pulled her to my church. I said, you want a diamond ring? (laughs) 
No, she's not that superficial. But anyway, the pastor at our church, if you asked him any day, Pastor, how you doing? He would say this. And I'll try to use his voice. Right on top of the world with my feet dangling. <laughs> Every single time. Pastor, how you doing? Right on top of the world with my feet dangling. And I used to think, come on. Live in the real world, dude. It can't be possible. And then I read Philippians 4. And I realized that it is not only possible, it's a promise. It's expected. It's granted to us. If you ask the Apostle Paul on any given day, no matter where he was, Paul, how you doing? He would have said, right on top of the world with my feet dangling. That's what he would have said. Because that's what he does say, kind of, in the text. Would you look at it with me? Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. We'll read down to verse 19. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Now, by the way, it's a learning thing. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment, and even more, I am amply supplied, now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of God to us. This is a these are precious promises to us. God means what he says to us, beloved. Uh, I want to show you this morning that, you know, as we, as we come to another Lord's Day, in particular the Lord's Table Day, front and center is the sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to make available to us richness in life right now right now and the apostle paul puts the matter of soul health and soul care into practical perspective right here for us he's been building the case he as he signs off in his letter to the philippians he's saying to them in verse 9 Whatever you've learned, whatever you've received, whatever you've heard or seen in me, 
put into practice. And he says, I've learned to be content in every circumstance. Therefore, I want you to put it into practice. I want you to look at my life. He's writing, he's incarcerated. It's not a great circumstance. It's not a great environment. He's not on vacation. He's content. He was, he was doing without until the Philippians sent him something. But he was fine with it. Do you see this? He's saying what you've learned, what you've seen, what you've learned, what you've received, what you've heard, put it into practice. Beloved, I'm calling you to do that because the Apostle Paul is truly believing and trusting in what the Lord has promised in verse, chapter 1, verse 6. He builds his whole case on this. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. As far as the Apostle Paul is concerned, he's taking the Lord up on that promise. And whatever his circumstances, it's part and parcel of what God is doing to complete the work in Paul's life. And so it is for you. So it is for me. We, we must build the case for our life on this Chapter 1, verse 6, being confident. How will we be content when we are confident that Jesus, he who began a good work in me or you, will be faithful to carry it on to completion until that day that Jesus comes to get us? That's the promise that's being made to us in this text. So what have we learned over the last couple of weeks? just want to review because some of you have been on holidays. I was on holidays. I, I had to catch up. Pastor Calvin taught us from chapter 4, section, uh, verses 4 to, to um, 7, that if you wish to experience the same peace that God experiences, in other words, God's peace, the peace that God enjoys, God's never anxious, He's never up there, whoa, I don't know what to do. Gabriel, like, can you help me out here? I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm a little bit stressed today. Because God's never there. That's never where God is. He dwells in peace all the time. If you want to experience the peace that God experiences, you have to enter into a lifestyle of constant conversation with him. You have to talk to him all the time. Only in Christ is your heart and your soul safe. You attract God's peace when in prayer your affections are refocused on God's affections. We've learned this. Pastor Nick taught us last week that if you wish to hang out with the God of peace, you have to think about and then act upon his favorite things. Right things, praiseworthy things, excellent things. He doesn't hang around unrighteous thinking. You can feel it. When you're, not, when you're not thinking praiseworthy, admirable, excellent, noble, right things, true things, when you're not putting those into practice in your life, you can feel the distance between you and God. You can feel it. You all know this. You feel it. When you get back on track, you realize that, no, 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 God's drawn close. I'm experiencing the presence of God, the closeness of God. 
Prayer famines or unhealthy thinking will produce anxiety and alienation from God's presence. And and the problem is most people want this peace and contentment, but the, the cost is greater than many wish to pay. They don't want to pray all the time, and they don't want to think right. They don't want to put right things into practice. Guess what? You can't have it both ways. Because this is how God, who began a good work in you, intends to complete that work. We think we can have soul riches, emotional peace, without the rigors of these disciplines. It's not possible. You can't. Emotional wellness is very tied to our spiritual fullness, which is completely tied to our Christ-centeredness. And that's where he's going in this next section. So today, I've learned to be content Whatever the circumstances, how are you doing with this? Honestly, how are you doing with this? Good. By the way, this section of Scripture, I'm not going to take a lot of time with this. This section of Scripture has become an exegetical embarrassment for the most part through contextual abuse. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. It's not a promise that you can do whatever you choose to undertake. This is not a verse that you throw up and say, this is God promising, so I can give a speech because God promised me I can give a speech. Or I can pass an exam that I didn't study for because God's promised that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No, that's not. You, 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 uh, you, you, you can't say to somebody, no, don't worry, stand aside, uh, I'll fly the plane. I realize I've never flown a plane before, but guess what? I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. I don't think a whole lot of people are going to get on that plane with you. This verse has been incredibly abused. It's kind of like that I slept at Holiday Inn last night so I can do anything, right? No, it's not true. And then the other one, I own... And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. It's not about promising money and prosperity because God is wealthy. The whole context of this is Paul needed to learn how to be content. That was his need. And my God, he says, will meet the needs according to the riches in Christ Jesus. So let's dive in here. How are we learning to be content? Have we learned to be content so that we can rejoice always? That's what we're looking at here this morning. If you wish to experience contentment, you have to learn that it isn't related to how much you have or don't have, but how dependent you have learned to become on Christ. That's part of his finishing work. That's part of his finishing school work in us, to teach us to be fully dependent upon Christ. We are already dependent creatures. Christ is a creator. We are dependent creatures. The idea that we could be self-dependent, the idea that we could disconnect or unhitch ourselves from the creator is absurd. And, And so the ultimate in our emotional and spiritual health is how connected we remain in Christ. That's the issue and the key to to contentment is how dependent we have learned to become in Christ. In fact, lack of contentment 
or contentment only in the quest for attainment through happier things will, be a, will tell us that we really aren't sourcing our strength or our life in Jesus. Paul's joy and Paul's contentment were never on hold pending some sort of material provision. That's what he wanted to say to these people. He said, look, at, I love your gift. Thank you for your gift. It's, it's, it's right to thank people for the gift. It's right for him to, to rejoice in it and, and all of that. But he said, I don't need your gift. I wasn't waiting. I wasn't saying, I'm not going to be happy until the Philippians or some other church gives me a gift. He said, I wasn't sitting that way with Christ. I wasn't frustrated with Jesus. I was completely content in my situation, even though I was in need. I want you to know that, he says. I, I, I really appreciate your gift, and that frees up gifts in a whole other way, and we'll talk about that maybe next week, because I'm not sure how far I'm getting in this. I'm, we're going to do something next week on this text anyway, so don't, don't fret. I realize these chairs are far more comfortable than the former chairs, <laughs> which means, as one person shared with me, well, you could preach longer, because we're more comfortable. No, no, don't, don't, don't fear. Don't fear. We didn't lead you into these chairs so I could preach longer. Although it is tempting. Too many of us are saying, I will be content when my next vacation comes along. Or when I find a new friend. Or, or when my health returns to me. Or when uh, I get my next raise or I get some money. Get a promotion. A lot of people are living just for the weekend. I'll be content when I can just get to the weekend. Or maybe I can get a different job. Or a different family. Bigger house. If I could just get married. If I could just have children. That's the way everybody who doesn't know Jesus lives. Is there not supposed to be a difference? Jesus says, I came to give you a difference. I came to give you an over-the-top life. Not like them. And Paul says, I'm embracing that. I, I'm all for that, and I'm going to live that out. I'm going to learn what it is to be content. But not by his own sort of grin and bear it. I mean, I, it wasn't about him summoning up his own strength and resolve. Do you see what he says here? I can do these things. In other words, I can be content contextually, not just do anything. I can do these things, all things through him, him who gives me strength. Look, and I'm not, he says, I'm not preaching to you that I can be content because I'm some sort of special guy and I've got real emotional balance in my life. That's not what he's saying. He's saying the only reason I can do this and the only reason that I can tell you that you can do this too is because I have Jesus. And I rely on Jesus and, and, and he says, I, I'm just telling you from experience that it works. I, I, I need his strength. I rely on his strength. And in his strength alone, depending entirely on him, I'm content I have come to the place in my life, he says, where I really believe that whatever situation I find myself in, whether plenty 
or whether in want, whether full or in need. It is how God is completing His promised work in me, and I'm 100% content. Now, um, nothing material or external is needed to help Paul cope. His abilities, our abilities, your ability to do this, to experience this, is entirely tied up in your relationship with Jesus Christ. See, what many of us want and we take this text and we, we take verse 13 and we tweak it, what we really want is for Jesus to change our circumstances, to overcome our circumstances. We want some sort of artificial change, some miraculous change, and then I'll be content. Paul's circumstances were not changing. And beloved, let me me just share with you why it's so critical for us to understand the truth of this. For the most of us, the circumstances that God places us in regularly are not going to change anytime soon. And in some cases, where very poor health is concerned it may not change this side of glory what are you going to do with that time are we going to be anxious discontented have our spiritual life go in the dumpster have our our heart be t- turned bitter toward god oh god you you're you're almighty god you could change my circumstance yes he could And many times he does. But this teaching, this promise, this is a promise. I can do and you can do. This is a promise from God. You can do this through him who gives you strength. You can be content if your circumstance never changes because Jesus is your strength for the situation. That's what, this is, this, that's, that's what he's bringing us here. This is not courage to succeed teaching. It's not what this is. This is a promise of contentment and joy in any circumstance. See, you can't have God, you, you can't have a God who would say to us, rejoice in the Lord always, who would then turn around and not expect us to be rejoicing in tough times. But you can't, and, and you can't have a God who would tell us to rejoice in the Lord always, including in tough times, and then say, hey, you're on your own, I, I hope it works for you. The two sides of this coin are set up here for us. The command is to rejoice in the Lord always, and the promise is the strength of Jesus to do just that. 
and most or many of you in here can testify to this because you've experienced this in your life, and you know that you won't know this until you get there. You, know, you can sit here, and we're in a laboratory this morning. We're in a, you know, things may be going fine. You say, well, that's really tough. This is a tough teaching. It's hard to learn this. You will learn this, and we're telling you in advance that you will learn this when the moment comes or the season arrives. And the great promise here is this, that you don't have to gnash your teeth and rub your hands together and worry about what's coming. How am I going to handle it? What happens if something awful happens to me? What happens if some sort of thing comes my way? How am I going to be rejoicing always? How am I going to do this? I can't do it. You know what? Sitting, looking at it, yes, except this is a promise that says when it comes, this is my promise to you. I will be your strength, Jesus says. I will give you the strength you need to be content. Whether you're plenty or in want, whether you're fed or you're hungry, I can have the strength to be content in God's choices for me and rejoice rather than complain. Beloved, what this does is this eliminates the possibility that plenty or more will replace Jesus in your life. See, if, ever, if, if whatever circumstance I'm in, I can be rejoicing in the Lord and content in the strength of Jesus, He stays as God of my life. If my contentment and my joy is always dependent upon other things or other people or good situations or whatever, those things become my God. Those are the things I worship. Those are the things I, the quest of my life. That's, that's how people outside of Jesus have to live. That's why they live for their weekends. They live for their vacations. They live for their money. They live for their raises. They live for different people. They live for marriage. They live for children. Because that's all they have. And Jesus said, I have come that you don't have to live that life, but you can live an over-the-top life that no matter what, you can be content and rejoice. In the Lord. So, brothers and sisters, this costly salvation of Jesus has produced for us an invitation to contentment and a promise, a promise that Jesus' strength will enable you to rejoice and be content. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your amazing work in our lives, work that we don't understand, work that we can't 
always appreciate, we, we don't know what you're doing, but we do know that you've made a promise. We're confident of this, that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. And sometimes that's in want, sometimes that's in plenty, sometimes that's well-fed, sometimes that's hungry. Sometimes our heart is broken. Sometimes we're over the top happy. But in all things, we can do this through the strength of Jesus Christ. You promised that. We're holding you to your promise, O Lord. And with great confidence and contentment today, we will celebrate the Lord's table and what Jesus has brought to us that we might live the over-the-top life now that we're meant to live. For Jesus' sake I pray. Amen. How can I put some final thoughts to this this morning? I think most of us are regularly frustrated by someone who stands before us and says, be happy, everything's going to be okay, be content. When we can look and say, yeah, sure, everything's going okay for you. It's easy for you to say. I'm not the one saying this to you today. The one who says this to you is the Apostle Paul. Through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, of course. Through the direction of the Holy Spirit. But the Apostle Paul. Paul was writing this when things were not okay at all. He was being harassed. He was being persecuted. He was, I'm sure, in somewhat of a quandary thinking, here I am incarcerated and fruitful ministry is not going forward. I, I could be out there. What, what are you thinking, Lord? He was feeling abandoned, as we understand in the text. He, the Philippian church had gone into radio silence, and so had all the other churches. He felt like everybody had left him. Very lonely. He's the one who was writing it and saying to us, I have learned. And he had the qualifications. He had the street cred to say this to us. I have learned to be content in every situation because of the presence of Jesus Christ. And with the presence of Christ always comes the power of Christ. Always. Beloved, there's no shortcuts to emotional wellness. No shortcuts. We try to shortcut this. Say, oh, it didn't work for me. It's not working for me. Because you're shortcutting it. There's no shortcut. If you want to experience God's peace, you have to be in prayer, talking constantly to God in His presence. If you want to have the presence of the God of peace, 
You have to do right thinking, noble, praiseworthy, admirable, and live these things. And if you want contentment, you have to trust in the promise of God that in whatever situation you're in, He will give you strength. And we live by faith, not by sight. This is who Christians are. We're called to have faith that when He will be there and grant me the strength. Because we have to be confident that He who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it in ways that will be a mystery to us until that day of the Lord Jesus comes to get us. Let's stand for prayer. Our Father, it has been good for us to be here, to be together with you in your presence, to sing your praises, to worship you, to lift up our hearts and lift up our heads. Where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord maker of heaven and earth who never breaks his promises. So, O oh God, we can do these things through Christ who strengthens us. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you are doing and will do in our lives. To the glory of God, amen and amen.